Granger Smith was an incredibly popular singer, especially of country music, who has made a decision to become active in ministry. Please stay with us on Personally Speaking. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and New York Times bestselling author Granger Smith joins me now. Granger continues to share his personal testimony with fans around the world with his book called Like a River, Finding the Faith and Strength to Move Forward After Loss and Heartache. After the tragic loss of his three-year-old son, River, Granger set forth on an inescapable path of discovery towards God's grace and mercy. After 34 years touring as an award-winning, platinum-selling country music singer and songwriter, Ranger Smith made the decision to leave the music business to pursue a career in ministry. The culmination of his 2023 final farewell, Like a River, marked his last as he moves forward towards his faith. Granger serves his local church while he continues to work on a master's degree at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Granger and his wife, Amber, live north of Austin, Texas, with their three children, London, Lincoln, and Maverick. He's here with us today to talk about his life, his family, his faith, and using his pain for good and holy purpose. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Granger Smith. Granger, first of all, thanks for coming on our program. And, you know, we're going to talk about this beautiful young man named River who's gone to God. I want to talk about the meaning of the name. But first, I got to ask you, I asked Lisa a minute ago, my producer, the name Granger, where'd that come from? <laughs> my parents, uh, they like the name. There is a town in Texas called Granger. Okay. And I, I don't know exactly uh, the connection, if it was that town or they just liked the name, but there is no other deeper meaning to it. Okay. So it doesn't mean something else. Sometimes names it doesn't. translate. Okay. And do you like the name? It's all I have. It's all I've known. <laughs> I'm stuck with it. Thank you for your honesty. Out, before we get into the book, which I mentioned in the introduction, uh, Like a River is a beautiful book, and I loved it. And I hope our listeners and watchers will pick it up because it's really important that they read that. I, I want to ask you, we're, we're doing this interview at a time when the world is uh, painfully divided. And mm. I'm thinking, you know, we're going to talk about one beautiful life that was lost through an accident. But in the past week, there are so many young lives, children who were butchered by Hamas and I guess I wonder when you and I wake up and read about such evil, does the fact of evil in the world, when you're a believer like you and I are, does it discourage you to the point where you, you ever lose hope? It, it does not. As Christians, we grieve with hope. That's the difference between okay. uh, having faith in Jesus and his redemptive work on the cross. Uh, it reminds us that we we always have hope. And we also have a sovereign providential God who who doesn't miss anything and and I know you didn't mean to say it but we'd also don't we don't believe in accidents mm -hmm. because, because God doesn't believe in accidents because he's providential because everything has a plan for his greater glory even the bad things are mm -hmm. in, in a plan for his greater glory yeah the the word accident I think is it, it's for us it's to help us cope because it's so hard last week we buried in our parish a 
43-year-old mom who leaves behind a two-and-a-half child, two-and-a-half-year-old mm. child, and mm. uh, that's mm. the word, accident, accident. You're saying there is a plan for everyone, including even that young woman who passed away. Let's let's go back to uh, Beautiful River. How did uh, you and Amber come up with that name? You know, that, that is a, another good question, kind of similar to the one you asked about my name. Um, we we liked it. Our We have London and Lincoln, and they are towns in England and Great Britain. Right. And we were we're going to go with another town there. And somehow we, you know, in all these towns, there are rivers. And we thought, well, you know, what connects all of these towns is, is a river. So let's let's name him River. OK, I like that. That's that makes some sense. And uh, let's talk about you and your other decider in your life, Amber. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I find uh, every weekend uh, one of the things I love to do when I'm celebrating weddings is find out because I think it's heroic to take the leap of trusting your life to another human being and marrying. I think mm. uh, you got to have a lot of faith to believe that whatever we've experienced in the past is going to go on forever. So when you come into a decision, I want a life partner, I want a, I want a spouse, I want a best friend. How did, how did Amber uh, come into your vision as this is the one God has planned for me? You know, that, that is such a, qu- a good question that I think is probably important for a lot of people because I think we have a tendency to over-spiritualize things mm-hmm. like this. We have a, we have a tendency to kind of uh, rekindle an old, an old pagan thought of soulmate. Mm. And, and we, we have this tendency to think, well, th- there's a soulmate out there for me somewhere. And there's only one, there's only one of them. And it's my mission to find this mysterious soulmate. Okay. And I, and I, I, I reject that. I, I think that um, as we, as we walk with the Lord and we look for someone else that's walking with the Lord and we're physically attracted to them and we, we feel, we feel excited when we're around them. And we have a, we have lots of things to say when we're with them and they're walking with the Lord and we're walking with the Lord. I think we go, great. I would, I want to make a decision, which sounds very unromantic. I want to make a decision to walk out the rest of my years with her, no matter sickness or in health, no matter what I lose out of this deal, I will walk with her. And that's a decision that, that at some, some point is fundamental in all marriages that we decide through sickness and in health, regardless of what we lose or what doesn't help us in the deal, we mm-hmm. stick with that marriage. Did you know, though, at the point you two decided to marry that you were capable of uh, loving in an unconditional way? I did not. No, that would be uh, that would be false if I, if I told you that <laughs> I was I was young and I was in love and um, it's by God's grace we we are uh, still happily married because we mm. all know that how difficult that actually is um, mm. and so in hindsight I could look back and see God's sovereignty through it but at the time I just thought oh I, I love this girl and I love being around her okay now let's talk a little bit about uh, the experience of uh, forgiveness. Not so much for uh, you and Amber in the mm. situation of River's death, but I'm wondering, did you go through a period, uh, and I hope our, our viewers and listeners will read more about this in the book, but did you go through a period of shaking your fist in God's face? Uh, not that God ever causes uh, the innocent to die, because he doesn't, but that he allowed it. Uh, so mm. is there is there room for anger toward God in the process of grieving? Well, um, that you, I think I believe you worded that correctly uh, because it's hard to choose the verb 
on what what where what is God's involvement and what's the verb to use. And so we could we could kind of dispute. Theologians have disputed for thousands of years on is allow or ordain or uh, is he the author of evil? What's the what is the adjective that we use? And um, and what we do know is he is providential. And we do know that he knows the ending, the end from the beginning. We know that he is good. We know that God is good. So we know that he is always working things for good. I, I think of it sometimes in terms of if I take my kids to the, to to a man who is going to inflict pain on my kids, and they're gonna they're gonna sit there and endure this pain, and and I'm not gonna stop it. I will go so far as to paying the man to inflict pain on my children. And we would, we would say, this is evil. And then I come to tell you, I was taking them to the dentist. <laughs> right. Right. Because I know the greater good for their straight teeth involves momentary suffering now that they cannot possibly understand. And I don't necessarily need them to understand. I just know that they need straight teeth. And I think sometimes in our in our finite knowledge, that's the way we think of God. Like, how could you possibly, how could you take something away that I love? And God goes, I'm the giver of all gifts. I know what's good for you. And so at some point we find, especially meditating through the Psalms, David was was so great at writing out these felt realities. I feel, Lord, I feel like you're hiding your face from me. I feel like you're so far from me. How long, O oh Lord, will you stay far from me? And then we watch his felt reality change into the, the actual reality of, but you are my redeemer. You are great, O oh God. You, you have a plan for me. And so if we meditate through the Psalms, we see the human nature of David and how he transforms and we feel the same way. I think, it's, I think it would be natural to say, God, why? Why? And then to remind ourselves, because you are God, and you have a plan for good. Okay, Granger Smith's our guest. The book is Like a River. I have to ask you, too, because you touch on it in the book. And I saw another book recently called What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say, and I, I think you addressed that, but I think it's good for our listeners and, and watchers to hear what you have to say. People mean well, but Granger, you know and I know that they say things that are really dumb. God needed another angel. Uh, oh, well, yeah. you, have, you have other children. Uh, stuff that they mean to comfort, and it does just the opposite. What are we supposed to say in the face of uh, a loss that seems unbearable? What are we supposed to say to someone else? Is yeah, that your like, like when people come up to you or Amber and they're trying yeah. to, you know, they want to do good, but yeah. what should we say? You know, I, I think especially at ground zero, when, when the pain is new and fresh, I, I, I typically say, I am so, so sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry. And I am here. And how could we pray for you? And and a lot of times I'll bring food, you know, bring food to them. They're not, they're probably not eating and they might not even eat what you bring them, but it's just, it's an act of love. And I'm going to bring you food. I'm here for you. Uh, also giving them space. So you're not going to, you're not going to bring food and then hang out on the couch unless you, you see need. Sometimes you, you bring food and say, we're going to step back out. We're going to head home, but we're one phone call away. Okay. Instead of trying to work things out with them, you know, mm -hmm. that comes months later. Is it, have you learned, uh, you, you said before you referred to the fact that we both know that uh, the tons of married couples who lose a child uh, going forward, because sometimes people grieve differently, 
is almost impossible. And yet you and Amber have found a path and that path is what? Mm. You know, gr grieving, especially with couples happens at different stages. So just recognizing that you're, you could be in a different stage of grief than your significant other. You could be going through a really tough time and they could, they could appear to be doing pretty well. And you could, you could follow a tendency to get angry at them for that and say, how could you be doing so well? Right. We lost our son only three months ago. I don't understand how you're doing well. Well, that, that's their way of handling it. And they might be in, internalizing that differently. So I think to answer your question, um, trusting each other, that you're there for each other, you're caring for each other, and that you're always on different paths of your grief. Mm -hmm. Gr grief comes in waves. It, it fluctuates in waves. Sometimes you're in the trough and sometimes you're up on the crest, but you will be no matter which one you're on currently ascending or descending to the next stage. We're talking about something that's really important to all of us. That is the loss of people we love. I got to ask you, Granger Smith, I guess, um, you've had other losses in life, not just your son. Uh, how is this one different? Like uh, six months ago, my mom went home to God. I presume it's very different for me than it would be losing a child who's a few years old. Um, the difference in this grief from other griefs for you? Uh, specifically for me, I felt guilt because mm -hmm. I was there. I was I was a responsible adult with him. And I didn't feel that when I lost my dad. You know, he, he died due to a heart attack and I wasn't there. And and. And losing my son when I was responsible for raising him and keeping him safe, there was a severe amount of guilt that I felt with that. I think that was that's the number one difference for me. Okay, but you had to know, and I know you do know intellectually, that it's almost impossible to be twenty four seven absolutely there for your child every moment. So the root of the guilt is what I, you you loved with intensity all the time for a moment. You, took, you turned away and, and something happened. But that's, that's not your fault, Granger. That's, uh, you're correct. You're correct intellectually. I, can, I could rationalize that none of us could be there 24-7. But, but that doesn't eradicate the guilt that, well, it did happen on my watch. But what finally did, and I, I, I worked that out for a long time, what finally did was the gospel of Christ. Because the gospel says, you are guilty. You are a sinner. But I have covered you with the blood of the cross. I have covered you. Believe in me and I will redeem you. I will heal you. I will forget your sins. I will remember them no more. I will wash you clean from all your guilt. Follow me. That's what Jesus did. So at, no, at, at any level, no matter you lose a son or you, you just are... A person that's 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 are completely covered in guilt. Christ covers you with His righteousness, not ours. That's what ultimately healed me. Ranger, one of the uh, more powerful passages for me always in the Bible has been uh, Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, and I love the words. And Jesus wept. Is is grief? Can grief be? Is grief a holy thing? Well. Yes. And, and I'll say that we've talked a lot on this conversation about sovereignty of God and providential God and a God that is always working for his glory. And it would be wrong to only have that conversation about him because he is also a man yeah. that, that weeps 
that grieves, that comforts those that are heartbroken. And we, we need to remember the providential king, Lord of Lords, the, 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 the one that has no beginning and will not have an end. And we also need to remember the one that says, look, fill my hands, see the holes, fill the scars in my side. Do you believe me now? Granger Smith, our guest. Granger, you, uh, you obviously with Amber have gone through this, but I want to raise it for other parents. Um, one woman who lost her son said to me, you know, I realized after a couple of years of, of mourning for my son that I had, you know, four other sons that I was not focusing on. You have children who are very much alive and in need of love. It's not unusual to focus on the one who's gone. How do you, Amber, make sure that you also redirect and don't forget the ones who are still here? That's a great question. And I think we're, we're just open and honest with, with the whole family. If someone is sad, we, we weep with them. Uh, if someone's excited about a baseball game coming up, we get excited with them. And we, we have a picture of River right in our living room. And so we don't make a shrine out of this old bedroom or anything. In fact, we moved from that house, but we didn't make a shrine out of the bedroom. And yet we also didn't just wipe him clean off of our memory. You know, so we, we just have an open conversation and we, um, we, we grieve with those that are grieving and we, we are joyous with those that are going through joy. And, and we try to keep that always at the front of our house. Ranger Smith's our guest, Like a River is the book. Um, lots of parents and grandparents watch a program like ours and they will raise the issue of, it's very clear that Granger and his wife are, are believers who love Jesus Christ, but have they got any particular insight into this faith that we love and the children and grandchildren that we love, how do we best pass this faith that we treasure onto them? Mm. I would say it starts with prayer. We pray over them as we're putting them down. We're putting those little sweet babies in bed at night and, and we're tucking them in and they're closing their eyes. We lay our hands on them. We say, Lord, save this child, draw them to you. Love this child, bless this child. Let them see you for who you are. God. Let me be, let me have the courage as a parent to show them a life that leads to you. Let me have a heart for you so that they could see through me as I model that, that they could see, I want to love God like dad loves God. Mm -hmm. I say it starts with that. Okay. You know, before I became a priest, uh, I looked at other things to do with my life. And when I chose priesthood, I had good friends who said, oh, what a waste to go into ministry. You could really make a difference in the world outside of ministry. Now we have Granger Smith who's this hugely popular guy in terms of country and other music, who says, I'm going into ministry. What do you say to the person who says, no, 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 you can touch many more people by country music than you'll ever touch as a minister of a particular community. What do you say to that? Sure. I say, God says, don't tell me how to get my glory. <laughs> right. I get my glory how I get it. And I think, I think the Lord works uh, through the local church more mm -hmm. than any other uh, human industry that we have. Um, it would be it would be complete idolatry to think that I was the guy that had the big platform that could get the gospel of Jesus to so many more people if I would stand on the platform. And uh, and 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 God says, I gave you the platform. I tell you where you stand. He told Moses, who made your mouth? I did. And so right now I'm in a season of equipping and I'm in a season of needing to shed the the desire to exalt myself on a stage mm -hmm. on a big platform and instead listen more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's the wow. season I'm in right now. That's Yeah, and every, every one of us should go through that season. That's for sure. <laughs> let, let, let me ask you too, because uh, 
I guess I'm I'm thinking as a believer who's obviously gone to church, read the Bible, heard preaching for years, whether it's your church or my church, I think we constantly have to say, are we doing God's will? Are we doing it as effectively as we can? So you as a believer who's gone to church in his life, what should churches be doing more fully to make themselves more effective in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? Preach the word in season and out. Preach the word. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the power of God for salvation. That's the gospel. Not not man's opinions, not man's not 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 our personal stories. Don't let our testimonies and our stories outweigh the amount that we just preach the word. It is we have done that for two thousand years. It's been effective, and it will continue to be effective as people are transformed by hearing the gospel preached. There are lots of people who get. Uh, there was a, a film director named Frank Capra who did films like It's a Wonderful Life. And the key to that film is not physical illness, but discouragement, he says, which is the greatest illness. We're living in a country, you and I, Granger, that everyone says is a 50-50 country, blue and red and divided. Do you have any insights into how do we pull our culture back together and uh, and become one people again? Do you think we ever were one people? Uh, in, I'd this like co- to, in this country, I'd like to. I'm a Ronald Reagan fan. I'd like to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see the uh, city on a hill like Ronald Reagan did, but maybe I'm being naive. What do you think? Sure, you know, I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, my grandfather was a pilot in World War II, flew a B-24. What, what an incredible time! What an incredible generation! I love the story of the the volleyball game in high school, where the girls stopped the entire game to find a bobby pin that they had dropped because that piece of metal was so valuable during wartime that everyone wanted to find that piece of metal and come together. Now that kind of unity, I don't know if this country will see that again. Um, I, I do know that as Christians, this is not our home. We are exiles here. And, uh, and I, I, I had to learn that definitely the hard way through uh, the loss of our son. And, and we built what we called our forever home and, and I think us getting comfortable here on this earth and being and calling it our forever home is is anti-Christian, really. We need to be uh, messengers spreading the good news that there is peace and there is hope from the Prince of Peace. Repent and believe the gospel. When you've been successful as you have in, in your walk of life, and uh, be, with that comes all sorts of benefits and blessings. I'm thinking Nate Solder is a guy who used to play for the New York Giants, and uh, he walked away from his $60 million contract when his two-year-old got cancer. And he said, there's stuff that you need and there's stuff you want. Uh, how good is Granger Smith at discerning or was discerning? Uh, what, what do I really need versus all the wants that are so tempting out there? I'm pretty terrible at it. I, I, I am... <laughs> I am continuing that that's part of my sanctification is just continuing to, uh, to say, Lord, just help me with that discernment. Give me that kind of discernment on things of this world that I just, I don't, I think that I want and I don't need them. You know, let me, let me know what you provide so that, uh, through that, my family and my, my friends and, and we could, we could be content with little. And that's that's difficult to say, um, but but it's something that's a daily battle for me. It's, it probably always will be. It'll be a daily battle to say I'm, I'm not going to go to Amazon and get that new thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't need a new car. I, the, the one I have is perfectly fine. 
And, and what's crazy is that we were really built for that. We were built to not need to be content. And when we start stripping ourselves of what the world has to offer, that's really where we find more joy. We go, you know what? I'm Here's an interesting thing. Here's an interesting thought. I have a radio show and I've been asking people because there was an astronaut stuck in space, Frank Rubio, stuck in space for over a year. Yeah. So I was asking people, what is it if you were stuck in space for over a year that you would miss from Earth besides family and friends? Okay. And the answers were always the simple things. I would miss the sunshine. I would miss my feet in the sand on the beach. I would miss barbecue. I, I would mi- I would miss the 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 rain. I, some some lady said I would miss the smell of the rain on concrete in the summertime, and like the simple things that money can't buy. Yeah. No one said I would miss my Ferrari <laughs> right. or my four four car garage. No one said that. And I think that speaks to where our our true joy lies is in contentment of the little things. I promise the final question. Uh, Granger Smith has been, <laughs> Granger Smith has been our guest, and uh, there's so much in Like a River. Uh, who are you hoping this book will be out there for? Anybody that's breathing oxygen and has a heartbeat, <laughs> I hope that this. I hope that they could find <laughs> peace and hope. Uh, the, the book. Um, look, it, it, anyone that loves will eventually grieve, and the amount of love you have for somebody will usually equal the amount of grief you have when you lose them. And so if if anyone is going through life right now and says, you know what, I've never had any loss, you will. Yeah. You will. And, and I, I hate to remind you of that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's a promise. We will have suffering. And uh, I believe that Christians have a path to comfort us in our suffering that I hope that people could read the book and embrace you know, Granger, I'd say, too, for any pastor or rabbi or imam or any religious leader who's uh, listening to or watching a program like this, this book helped me as a non-parent to understand because I'm inevitably going to run into people who have lost children. And uh, I want to I want to better understand. I want to have true empathy. And and your book helped me with that. And uh, thank you, and Amber, for putting it together. And uh, and thank you for your, your testimony. It's It's a great help to us. You're a wonderful man, and uh, sharing the very private hurts and pains and sorrows and challenges of life when you could go completely private is is an act of heroism, whether you know it or not. And thank you, thank you, thank you for everything, Granger. Sir, thank you for your time very much. I've I've, I've appreciated this conversation. You take care, my friend. God bless. You too. Bye-bye. God bless Bye-bye. you. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. If you need to reach me for any reason, you can get me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. You can probably listen to this program on SiriusXM, the Catholic channel, but you can also watch us on YouTube by searching under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And we're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.